Good morning, friends. Thanks for joining us as we talk about Jesus, the Bible, and how it helps us change the world around us. God is good. Amen? Amen. Last week, I talked about three stories from the book of Mark. We covered topics of corruption, the process we sometimes need to go through in becoming more like Jesus, and the possibilities that open up when we confess Jesus as the Lord of our lives and Him as the Christ. It is important to keep context straight with Mark. To do that, we need to acknowledge it is a long story made up of little stories of the life and ministry of Jesus. Today, we are going to read from the book of Mark and end up in Mark 9, verse 1. With, the, with this amazing piece of scripture, I want to talk about Jesus and how to follow him, how to follow Jesus. In Mark 8, verse 31 is where we're going to start. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone takes up his cross and follow me, Oh, sorry, I missed a line. Ah! If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give him Give in exchange for his soul. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come in power. Lord, thanks for your word. We thank you that we have this. We can learn about you. We can, we can analyze your words and, and just let your spirit speak to us where we're at today. Would you guide us? Would you direct us? Thanks for this amazing church. Thank you for everyone watching this today. We thank you for who you are. In your name, amen. Something changed uh, in the tone of the story. Jesus began talking about his demise. This would be a pretty weird change for the 12 disciples and all the other people who were following along and milling about. Now, have you ever been in a room when all of a sudden things went sideways and it was just kind of confusing? Maybe someone said something that just wrecked the whole evening or shared something that you couldn't stop thinking about because it was so random and strange compared to everything else that had already been said. One of those 
things, aside from the huge declaration Jesus just made, comes with the declaration that Jesus did not make. Ordinarily, this would be a time where Jesus would say, now go and don't tell anyone. But since the declaration of his messiahship, the messianic secret is over. This is a huge change in Mark's writings. Now, there is also a physical change that is happening. In this part of the book of Mark, um, think about last week. Last week when Peter said, you are the Christ, they were all the way in the northern part of Israel. Caesarea Philippi. They have zigzagged all the way to the furthest place you can get from Jerusalem and still be in Israel. Now, as this declaration had been made, they're going to start making their way back down south to Jerusalem, a place they had been many times before in their lives. But this is actually going to be the last journey south that Jesus takes before the crucifixion. So along with his first declaration of his death, he is going to start the journey to the place of his crucifixion. This is why there's an urgency in getting his point across to his followers that change is coming and they need to be ready for it. Mark 8.31 says, he then began to teach. So right after Peter's declaration that you are the Christ last week, Jesus took that moment to teach. It was like he was saying, okay, good. So you guys are ready now. You are understanding a few things. And so I need to tell you what this means for you and what this means for me. Peter's declaration started something big. And he was just being honest with Jesus. He had no idea what all would come from that one simple statement, you are the Christ. Let's not skip over Peter trying to rebuke Jesus, though. If you look at everything else happening in the story, I'm pretty sure Peter would have been in shock from Jesus' statements about his death. The Jewish disciples would have been familiar with Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. They would know some of the vague statements, but to all of a sudden hear details that they were not familiar with would have really messed with them. I personally have never seen anything in the Old Testament about rising in three days, aside from reading Jonah sideways and hoping that that was some sort of a, an inclination of the future. So how could Jesus now, accepting the title, also be saying, things are going to get really bad. I'm the Messiah, but that's kind of a terrible thing at the same time. Two things happen after Peter declares Messiahship, and they are both in the form of definition, outcome, and responsibility. Now, this happens for two crowds, all three of these things. First of all, it outlines what this means for Jesus in the coming days. And then the second crowd is it outlines what it means for any followers of Christ that day and into the future of Christianity, me and you. So for Jesus, his definition, outcome, and responsibility is clearly laid out. His true identity is now revealed. Jesus has declared that he is God with skin on. He is 
good with you telling as many people as you want that change is coming for all who believe to the end of days. This means that the king of kings is going to rule from a cross and not overtake a Roman throne. He will lead through humility and bring peace. A pure Christian rule doesn't look anything like Rome. It doesn't look anything like England. It doesn't look anything like America or any other man-made kingdom. It looks different. It sounds different. It smells different. It is counter to all the things that were being pushed at the time and pushed now. I am sure as he was talking, his listeners were stuck on the death part. At this point, they were yet to understand that there are three pieces to this story. All they heard was the death thing. But it has to start with the crucifixion because that leads to his vindication and that ends in his glorious resurrection as Jesus Christ. Frederick Buckner said that resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are here proclaiming that the King of Kings is alive and well and still changing lives today. That is amazing news. But what about the followers? So group two, Peter's declaration and Jesus' teaching brought definition, outcome, and responsibility for us too. What Jesus is saying about the future will have ramifications for all who follow him. Now, throughout history, disciples of Jesus will be faced with easier paths than Christianity. But if you can identify with Christ in his brokenness, then and only then can you celebrate in his victory. Here's how it works. So Jesus used three phrases in a line. He said that a disciple will need to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow to deny oneself. This brings us to the whole concept of self-denial. Think about what it would mean to not deny oneself. What are the mindsets that come with that? Well, you are the answer. You are the answer to all of life's problems. You are completely self-made. You are what sustains you. You bring yourself happiness. You orchestrate anything good that happens in your own life. It's all because of you and what you have done. You are essentially a self-fulfilling prophecy. I know that sounds ridiculous for many of us, but you're probably closer to that thought pattern than you think you are some days. How about we flip it? Jesus, you are the answer. Whatever the question, I want to know how did you handle it? I want to know how did, how did you tackle it? What did you say about it? Lord, you gave me the gifts and talents to be where I am. God, you sustain me in your life and in your breath. You bring my joy and happiness to me because you are joy and happiness. You are the giver of life. You bring good things my way, and I wouldn't be me without you. Now, for me, seeing Christ before I see me is essential, because then I don't just go to him when I need something, because I'm already there. 
and he already knows about it because we've already been talking about it. I hope you see how these recognitions of denying oneself leads to a healthier prayer life. Self-denial keeps us from using God like a commodity. It keeps us from using him. And it assists us when we can't quite tackle things ourselves because we're in communication constantly. Now, this leads us then to the second thing Jesus said, bear your cross, the outward expression of an actualized self-denial. This is when we have truly become so identified with Christ that our presence begins to change things just from being in the room. That change comes because we are now representing Christ. We know it is him who brings all good things. Think about Peter. There's a story in Acts 5 where Peter uh, would walk and people would be healed by his shadow. Now, if you don't think you can change situations like Peter, remember that um, he would go on to deny Christ three times and he was addressed as Satan by Jesus himself. There's hope for us all. Now let's put into real time what this looks like and just some brief examples. This is not exhaustive. Let's think vocation, where you work, what you do. Do you align what you do with the gospel? Do you use your daily life to bring change to the world around you? Do you find ways to bring the creativity of the Holy Spirit to work with you, knowing that you can make a difference where you are? What about justice? Uh Uh-oh. When we see corruption, do we act justly and fight for those who need us? Do we act like Jesus? How have we done as Christians with the reconciliation movement? Not great. We can do way better. When the world hurts and people groups are being marginalized and pushed down, we need to stand up taller and say, this isn't right. How about creation care? Now, this is a tough one for many people. Um, When certain news channels call taking care of the environment a false religion. We have much work to do, guys. Escapism theologies throughout time have taught us to just do whatever we want um, because we're holding on for the rapture and we'll depart from here soon anyway. But we were given the earth to take care of, not to mention Jesus coming back to reestablish his kingdom. So we really should be taking care of what he has been given us and treating it properly. I know that this is low-lying fruit and... I just wanted to give you some examples of what this could look like, of bearing one's cross, of representing Jesus in everyday life. Think of it all as acts of love to the world around you. Love God, love people, right? Now, John 13 says, you will know my disciples by their love. And let's be honest, love makes you do dumb things that you don't understand sometimes. It makes us make decisions that are unpopular, and in the end, it exposes our self-denial and our desire to look more and act more like Christ. Then, of course, the following. All of this is following Christ. Inward and outward expressions of following Christ interpretation and understanding of the Bible without a desire to apply it 
is like buying a car just for the radio. Self-denial without bearing the cross daily is another way of thinking about Jesus, the words of Jesus, and... Oh, let's, see, let's, let's go with here. The words of James the Just. In the book of James, he said that um, faith without works is dead. Today, I want to encourage you with this message and in your faith. If you're hearing this, I, I want to encourage you that you're probably doing better than you think you are. But maybe today is a day that you need to find an area of your life where you're relying a little too much on yourself. Maybe through a dedicated Bible reading time, fasting, prayer, you can make some strides on your personal self-denial. Maybe for you it is finances, maybe how you spend your time. Maybe you know of areas that you need to speak up for those people around you who need help or are being marginalized. As followers of Jesus, we can make a big impact in the world around us this year. Remember, God loves you and is always calling us to be more like his son. The future is bright because Jesus is already there. Have a great week.